The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Tired of diesel buses? Want more cycle lanes or bus lanes? Which projects do you want Auckland Transport to work on first? They need your opinion. So head to haveyoursay.at.govt.nz forward slash RLTP to do just that. Consultation closes on 17 June. Get in quick. It is 1300 hours and this is an emergency edition of Gone by Lunchtime. My name is Toby Manhire. Um, this is a special edition of Gone by Lunchtime with Ben Thomas. Hey, Ben. Hey, Toby. It's it's 1,300 hours since Jamie Lee Ross began his stand-up uh-huh. at Parliament. Um, unfortunately, Annabelle Lee is not here with us to discuss the extraordinary implosion going on in the National Party, um, but she did send a, a, an official statement this morning. <laughs> Uh, when I asked her uh, at about 8am for an official statement, Kevin, she was unable to join us. And he, she said, and she will strongly um, resent me reading this out. She said, he looks more like a leader this week than he did last week. Some hard learned political lessons for him as a result of this, but he has survived it and maybe a better leader for it. Jamie Lee is what happens when young folks spend their entire youth trying to act like a 40 year old. When you live in that bubble without actually accumulating the life experience or wisdom, you're going to fuck up. And then at 11.15am in the middle of Jamie Lee Ross's Castro-esque uh, monologue, she tweeted, texted, scrap that. So, um, scrap that. Well, Ben, do you want to give us a kind of headline response and then we'll try and track back through what happened? Uh, yeah, this is, I guess, if today marks anything, it's the end of the comfortable managerial style of New Zealand politics, in which we've comfortably trundled along for mm. the, the past few decades. Mm. Um, and we've entered into the bizarro realm uh, that the rest of the world seems to be trending into. This this wasn't sort of an immolation by an MP. This was like the er immolation. This was like, this was a greatest hit. So this was the infinity war of rogue MPs. <laughs> it, it was all the best bits of Chris Carter, Brian Connell, Aaron Gilmore, all rolled into one sort of reality bending extravaganza. A political kamikaze supercut, if you will. Um, the Let's... The, the, what's happened today that we're responding to immediately is that Jamie Lee Ross has uh, again sort of gazumped uh, his leader Simon Bridges and delivered a press conference in which he raised, raised, made a range of accusations and resigned his seat, therefore triggering a by-election in botany. Simon Bridges has responded vehemently denying the charges and um, emerging from caucus with a unanimous vote to uh, give... Uh, to suspend the boot, to suspend, suspend him from the caucus, suspend. suspend. Um, um, but that that means he's he's gone from the caucus. But let's back up the uh, proverbial track and kind of try and work out for people who aren't necessarily the, t- the Timothy McVeigh truck nerds. filled with fertilizer. Mm, back it up. Mm, let's back it up and uh, all the way back to. August the 13th, I believe it was, when Tova O'Brien, the political editor of News Hub, uh, appeared on the 6pm bulletin with leaked expenses 
showing that Simon Bridges had spent, I don't, can't even remember how much money on uh, driving around New Zealand in an attempt to meet and greet and, um, you know. A, 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 yeah, a, a little mini scandal of information that was, little, that was going to be released in about three days' time yeah, anyway. It's about to come out. And, and represented internal transfers between uh, government and parliamentary accounts. Right. And what happened thereafter was that Simon Bridges impugned the Speaker's office, suggested that the Speaker's office was responsible for the leak, uh, that made Trevor Maddard the Speaker understandably cross, and he went on to commission an inquiry into who done it and then all everyone said who done it a lot and we suddenly had a story um, quite a few people at that point said this is a weird thing for some bridges to have done given the likelihood is that it is someone in his own caucus nevertheless on it went and then after a few weeks maybe about a month a text message was received by Tover O'Brien at News Hub by Joe Moyer at Radio New Zealand. No, no, just by by Tova, by the Speaker, and by Bridges himself. Oh, I'm sorry. And then it was found its way in the to the hands of Radio New Zealand R- reporter B. Reporter B. We not with the report that we've got from PwC does not name the reporter. Um, and this this is like one the, of those indictments in the United States where they say you know person A was elected as the president of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mueller Mueller may be required um, if this carries on at the rate of knots it is currently. The 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 text in question were some seemingly quite clearly upsetting, um, genuinely uh, worrying appeal from um, someone purporting to be have been the original leaker. Texter Jay. Uh, saying that they had mental health issues and they couldn't 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 um, tolerate what was going on and the inquiry should be stopped. Trevor Mallard said that he was therefore satisfied that it was a National Party problem, so he suspended his inquiry, although quietly continued a separate inquiry into his own uh, parliamentary service and attempt to exonerate them, but that's a very much a, a digression. Um, Simon Bridges, for his own part, commissioned the report that came out this week, and that report from PwC with Simpson Grierson, he announced some really weird grinding noise happening outside the studio, and I apologize for that. Um, it may indeed be something, I expect it's one of the kind of the volcanic field of Auckland politics that is <laughs> very much part of the story, and it's, perhaps it's, we'll- It's an earthquake we'll, in Botany. We'll get to that, get to that later. Um, what was it? Where was where, where where was I in this odyssey of odyssey of wildness? Uh, we had we had just commissioned the PwC and Simpson Grierson report. National MPs had been required to waive uh, their you know waive their access to their email accounts and their parliamentary mm. phone numbers and their cell phone numbers, <laughs> and basically an audit was undertaken, trying to match up their communications with any of the people involved in the original leak, which let's remember wasn't actually that much of a big deal. Yeah, it's an emergency. It's an emergency. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And just as Simon Bridges was about to appear on Monday to announce the results of the inquiry that he'd commissioned, suddenly, from the abyss, popped up four tweets from Jamie Lee Ross, which just set off a whole lot of gunpowder. And that they, in the course of in the course of those four tweets, 
He implicitly denied being the leaker, said he was going to be stitched up by Simon Bridges, and alleged that Simon Bridges had partaken in unlawful fiddling of political donations. And and also that he had secretly recorded Simon yes. Bridges discussing this. Yes. And that, I think, quote, when I became expendable to the National Party, mm. he, he brought those uh, recordings or notice of those recordings or alleged recordings to Simon Bridges, presumably as some kind of threat. Mm. Um, so, you know, you I mean, look, at, 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 at worst, Jamie Lee Ross is guilty of nothing more than secretly taping his leader to try and use against him when his political stocks fell in the party. Uh, although, and and then uh, then obviously caucus meeting was convened for today. Well, let's just wind back because then Simon Bridges gave that. This was this was on Monday, yep. and so Simon Bridges gave that stand up in Auckland, at which he denied his warm-up acts claims and announced that the report had uh, provided what he said was evidence that on the balance of probabilities, Jamie Lee Ross was the leaker. And then so we had uh, had a nice sleep and we woke up this morning to expecting the National Party to have their caucus meeting and once again... There was a gazumping on the part of Jamie Lee Ross, who announced with a flourish that he would appeal, appear on the parliamentary tiles at 11am. And that was something, wasn't it? Actually, let's pause here because we're going to bring in um, New Zealand's top political playwright and the television editor of the spin-off, Mr. Sam Brooks, to uh, give his critical appraisal of possibly the most extraordinary dramatic monologue uh, that New Zealand has seen for some years. Probably the longest. Certainly the longest. It was all up. It was 55 minutes. Um, but I think the the, 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 the monologue itself um, uh, was maybe 25 minutes, maybe 20 minutes. Sam Brooks, thanks for joining us. It's a great privilege to have you here. Um, you can catch his play Jacinda. Um, where is that on? Basement. Basement. In, a, in a while. Um, Sam, we, we just we, we just love to hear your critique of the uh, of the soliloquy earlier today. Um, he talked for nearly an hour. Um, he's I think he started at like eleven o two and he finished up at about eleven fifty seven and like about twenty of that yeah was just him rambling on. Um, it had a few like solid hits and um, um and uh, z- uh, zingers in there, like mm. other f- or like to fifteen is a solidly evil <laughs> thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like cartoonish and mm. it's evilness almost. But yeah, 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 yeah. It's like and he seemed. I've rehearsed. He seemed scripted, yeah, mm. which is, I guess, a solid for a MP. And if you were, you've you've um, read and written a number of uh, great characters of our time, and would you place him in the 
hero category or the villain category if you were watching that in, uh, uh, on the stage? Seeing that, I would place him as a key supporting character, neither hero nor villain, just somebody who makes things difficult for either the hero or the villain. Like, he doesn't seem to have enough backstory to really be a solid hero, mm. and he doesn't really have enough motivation to be a villain. And he's not hateable enough to be a villain either. Like, he's just there. And you're suggesting that um, after the show's finished, we'll say, what was the name of that character again? Exactly, <laughs> yes. Um, he's a guest actor, not even a supporting actor, really. Absolutely not a lead. That's brilliant. Thank you very much, Sam, um, for summing that up so acutely. There, there was a bit of a hero's journey in the speech, you know, as Joseph Campbell would have it. He, he started off as an innocent chief party whip by his recounting. Um, he uh, spoke truth to power. He, he told us that numerous he, times. He spoke truth to power internally. Internally spoke truth to power, and and now now that his career as an MP was over, he decided that he would speak truth to power externally. I think you know, and in, in, uh, um, the the narrative that he said you know was essentially there were two there were two parts of it. The first was that he had become he had supported Simon Bridges. He had been his numbers man along with Tom McClay during mm. the leadership um, mm. to re- leadership bid to replace uh, Bill English. He'd been very loyal to Simon, uh, but he became, he believed that Bridges was not performing as a leader. He disagreed with some of his calls. Um, this led to some sort of, you know, bad blood, I think he suggested. And then he moved on to the separate narrative where he alleged, uh, that there was, uh, some, some, what he said, corrupt practices around uh, a couple of election donations. Yes. He, he went all out and said that Simon Bridges was a corrupt politician, which has been very strongly denied mm. by Bridges subsequently. But it was, it's, yes. it's a pretty, it's pretty full on. It's a strong allegation. It's, I mean, it's, the whole spectacle was quite amazing because his big announcement was to stand up and say that to the best of his knowledge, he had knowingly participated in a breach of the electoral act. Yes. And that he was going to go to the police about that tomorrow. And that specifically was and that a Chinese businessman, Yikun Zhang, had uh, offered a donation that, that Simon Bridges, the allegation which is strongly denied, goes. Um, Simon Bridges suggested that it be split so that it did not come on the, make the requirement to be declared to the Electoral Commission. Is that is that a fair summary? Yeah, and in different ways this happens a lot with political parties that, you know, if you're the leader you shouldn't really know much about donations. If somebody says, I want to give you $100,000, you say, well that's nice, but I would like you to talk to our party president or you know, somebody in the party or this person here, so that you, you don't you know, you, you shouldn't get involved in those matters uh, as a leader, um, and and you shouldn't know how much any particular person has given, um, and and then it, it may be that you know it's it's donated in different ways once somebody has sought advice on that. There was another chapter to this as well, in that uh, Jamie Lee Ross claimed that Simon Bridges had said to him that there were four women who uh, had said that they had been sexually harassed by Jamie Lee Ross? Was it just harassed? I think harassed. Okay. Um, that's, that's what I took from it. And Jamie Lee Ross denied 
the alleged allegation. Again, he strongly denied the allegation that he had brought to our attention, although he yep. said that this was part of the what was put to him when he was um, undergoing mental health issues and took the medical break, which... Um, which is a bit weird that I think I left out in the synopsis before. Good Lord, so much. Um, and he, he had he had uh, stood down for medical reasons, which weren't stated. Simon Bridges had subsequently apologised for describing them as embarrassing reasons. Um, and uh, Jamie Lee Ross today said that those part of the pressure that was put on him was was those claims of harassment. He went on to say, and this is really striking. He said that. It, when he appealed to natural justice, he had been told that those four women could become 15 women. Um, and then he made reference to, what's his name, Brett Kavanagh. Oh, it's just, it's just honestly, the whole thing has... Yeah. The, the, and again, so, so Br- and Bridges has denied that as well. Yeah, Bridges has denied Strongly that as well. Denied. Strongly um, denied. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's hard to know where, what, to, what, what, what to say about all that because we... You know, to be completely clear, haven't a fucking clue. Um, what we do know is that Simon Bridges appeared shortly afterwards, um, said that he encouraged Jamie Lee Ross to take what he had to the police, said that the caucus had issued a unanimous, um, a unanimous call of support for his leadership and given Jamie Lee Ross the boot. He said that he had done absolutely nothing wrong. He repeatedly used the phrase to describe Jamie Lee Ross as a guy who's lying, who's leaking, and who's lashing out. He called him, suggested that it was vexatious, suggested that, and this is an important point and one I'd like to ask you about, Ben, he said that Jamie Lee Ross was a lone wolf MP. And that's an important point in terms of the political viability of Simon Bridges' leadership, isn't it? Mm. That it's not seen to be, um, whereas Lee Ross, Jamie Lee Ross claimed that there were a number of disgruntled MPs. Well, do, I mean, just going back to the the, the, the marathon soliloquy, mm. um, the other thing that came out was, you know, Jamie Lee Ross strongly denies that he is the original leaker of the travel information. Um, and the information in the PwC report is not conclusive on that score. It shows some messages to messages and calls to journalist B, mm. reporter B, um, and when asked about that, Jamie Lee Ross said, "Well, when I was talking to her, I was leaking the texts. Mm. I was I was leaking the texts sent by the supposed leaker, which he'd seen along which with he had seen along with others, yes. Yes. and he was leaking that because he disagreed with his leader. Yes. So he said, you know, look, don't try and pin this original leak on me because there's a good explanation for this contact with journalists, which is that I was leaking to undermine my leader. <laughs> and so <laughs> he's like, I can explain everything. <laughs> well, in the court, but 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 it's still. It's, I mean, there is still I mean, some the whole, doubt. The whole thing was just bananas. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And I hope we've explained this uh, sort of beautifully clearly. So imagine if you were listening to this and not having watched any of it, you'd be like, oh, "This is really unhelpful." Thanks a lot, Ben and Toby. Anyway, you'd probably be a lot happier. Um, you'd be a happier person. Um, 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 my question now is, what does it mean? For Bridges' leadership. Is there, I mean, obviously, it seems to me, my view is that it's just sort of lit all these other fuses. And the idea, as put forward by um, several of our leading, two, at least two of our leading commentators this morning, that Simon Bridges could emerge from this with his leadership stronger. I just, I just struggle to believe that that's possible. 
that's not to say that Simon Bridges has even done anything. There's no evidence he's done anything wrong, right? Apart from maybe making a bit of a dumb call, which is something that most of us do most days. But surely this is a really hard one for him to row back on. It's impossible to make predictions here because this is totally uncharted territory. You can look back at previous cases of rogue MPs making life, life difficult for their leaders. Chris Carter was one. Um, now Phil Goff survived dumping Chris Carter out of the caucus. Um, the, you know, uh, Aaron Gilmore went mm. rogue for all of about a week mm. and that didn't, didn't hurt John Key. On the other hand, Brian Connell went rogue, and that, that sort of was the beginning of the end for Don Brash. Um, he was a secret taper as well. Um, it, look, it's it's difficult. Um, you know, the, the, there's such a, a confluence of things here that it's, it's, it's impossible to say. The only thing we can say with certainty, because this isn't a science, right, is this isn't in terms of the near future, the next two years leading up to the election. The decision here isn't for... Simon Bridges. It's not about what he does. His caucus, all 54 remaining members, mm. is going to have to think to themselves, you know, do we want a replay of the last eight years of Labour in opposition? Yeah. Do we do we want to be backbiting and every news story is a is is just about leaks and undermining and criticism of the leaders, which is what Goff had, what Shearer had, and what Cunliffe had. And when they look back at that, you know, all of all of the people who are at least strongly believed and basically were behind that, you know, behind the various uh, <clears throat> efforts to undermine each of their leaders, none of them is prime minister now. And most of them sort of lay strew in his wreckage, you know, on the on the highway of New Zealand political history. Mm. Um, and and so, you know, it's a prisoner's dilemma. Obviously, the best thing for the National Party is if they can, you know, do as Simon Bridges said and draw a line under this. Right. That, that's the best thing for them as a party. On the other hand, you will have a lot of people who think that. Just like in Labour, it's better to rule in hell than serve in heaven. And, you know, they might think that they've got an opportunity to, to jump ahead or improve their position in the opposition um, by fomenting problems. And so, you know, the, a lot of it's beyond Simon Bridges' control. And they're just not used to opposition. I mean, one of the, one of, one, one, one of the things that you touched on before is the civility or to put it another way, the discipline that has we've seen in, in the certainly on the right of politics in the National Party, incredible discipline, like the likes of which you just don't really see anywhere in certainly Westminster system, major pa big parties like that. There's always people who are kicking some shit up. Not not the National Party. It's been a decade. A decade. You, I mean, you, you know, you worked worked for a minister in that government. Mm. It's kind of it's kind of formidable to behold, right? It, it was. There's. Two thing, there's one thing important to note about that. It's easier to hold discipline as a prime minister than it is as a leader of the opposition. Right. As prime minister, you always have the ability to give or take away a ministerial post or a select committee chairmanship. As, as the leader of the opposition, you don't have a, you know, you really are just first amongst equals. You really are all just non-government MPs. And you, you know, well, with the Walker jumping legislation, which has recently passed, you can, after you know a process, kick someone out of Parliament. But that's a very big stick, one that's unwieldy to use, and one that brings a lot of um, unwanted attention to you if you do. So, 
you, you don't have the same levers that you do as Prime Minister. So John Key was in a much better position, quite aside from any of his other characteristics, as Prime Minister in terms of keeping discipline than uh, Simon Bridges or any opposition leader is able to on the other side of the House. I just think it just occurred to me that, I mean, you could almost say, couldn't you, that the leader of the opposition could be described as the worst job in politics. Do you, do you think... Should we trademark that and sell yeah, T-shirts? That's, um, that's my thought for the day. Um, so I accept all of that, um, and I imagine that the conversations that are being had in National Caucus quite genuinely at the moment are, look at the shit show that happened to Labour over all those years. For God's sake, let's not do that. Let's not do that, nodding furiously. On the other hand, it wasn't just being in government that ensured that discipline in the National Party. It was the fact that the poll numbers stayed so consistently, so consistently, so kind of inexorably high, right? And they've continued to do so in opposition for the most part. If they slip in the polling by four points, it's the same as anywhere. The thing that matters most to people is their job, you know? And I don't think it is, I mean, I don't think it's about money. I don't think it's about avarice. It's about power. And if you see that you, uh, if you're in a marginal seat and that three or four points means that you're likely to lose it or you're in that kind of grey slush on the list where you're likely to lose your spot, then suddenly it's all very well to say we're not going to turn into one of those Labour parties. But the conversations in Bellamy's inevitably lead to what the fuck are we going to do? We've got to turn this around. How are we going to do it? And on it goes. I just, I mean, that, that to me seems to... That seems to be the big risk, that you sort of get in its uncharted territory, as you say, it's something the National Party hasn't had to cope with for a long time. But that's the kind of, there's a gravitational pull in every political party in the world, in a democracy, towards that. And, you know, good luck to them to avoiding that, but I feel like that's where it's going. And and again, this is why it's you know it's it's sort of an all or nothing thing, which is that if everyone in the caucus decides that the best thing to do is keep a united front, keep discipline, and you know attack the government on petrol prices, which seems to be the only thing that you know people the only the only thing that people actually cared cared about in the last couple of weeks before this, mm. um, you know th- then. The chances of national, because, you know, remember, there's a reason nationals vote doesn't drop. And that's because it's the only center right party. You know, you've got to act sort of, you know, very much on the margins at Epsom. But there, there is, there, there, apart from sort of New Zealand, apart from in that real kind of marginal middle, there isn't really a lot of places for these people to go. And they're not going to change on the basis of ideology generally. They're going to, these, these are the sort of people who will usually vote on the basis of competence. Um, I think Daniel McLaughlin had a good piece for the spin-off today or yesterday. Um, you look incompetent if every story about your political party is just about leadership ructions and internal instability. Um, and that will turn people off, uh, you know, f- faster than, you know, a, a, a bad leader or a marginal leader or even a good leader who's not firing. You know, there's a lot of people out there who think that if David Shearer hadn't been dumped uh, by uh, by Labour, that he would have been the Prime Minister, um, in, in if not in 2014, then in 2017. The, um, the other result of what we've seen happen, um, sorry, just, that's my phone, um, is that we're going to have a by-election in Botany. Um, Jamie Lee Ross will stand as an independent, he says. National, it's been a, it's a national safe seat. But are we going to see the long festering rivalries within Auckland politics, 
I mean, you know, if there's factionalism in the National Party, it's played out most in the Auckland, the the history of National Party presidents, of even the occasional blogger or two. Is the, is are we are we going to is this the, is the, is this the kind of crucible of of, of national infighting? Uh, no, look, it's it's hard to see that there's any support there for Jamie Lee Ross. Um, I, I think you're really looking at someone on the fringes right now. Mm. Um, you know, even look, Jamie Lee Ross said, look, you know, there's conversations at night. You know, what uh, Americans might call kvetching, where you bitch and you moan about, you know, how things went that day. Or and and Jamie Lee Ross said quite correctly, these conversations happen all the time. It's literally all anyone talks about in Wellington. Mm. You know, mm. um, and so it would be wrong to see that as you know signs of a groundswell or. Um, you know, mass- massive, uh, you know, insurrection. Um, I, 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 it's hard to see that this is part of any kind of organised division along any kind of factional lines. Thank you very much, Ben Thomas. Thank you very much, Sam Brooks. Thank you very much, Tina, who through a fog of cold has braved um, her way to the desk to make this emergency podcast possible. Very many apologies to almost all of you who were hoping to hear Annabelle Lee. Uh, Hopefully she'll return to us in the next podcast, which at the current rate will be tomorrow. It's gone by lunchtime. Kia ora. Kia ora e te iwi, te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.